Bible and Pop Culture's podcast. We're so glad you're here. I'm your host, Mia Burt, curator for Bible and Pop Culture magazine. For years, I taught Bible and Pop in the classroom and had a blast and learned as much as I taught. But now we're taking it to the streets for honest exploration of authentic Christianity through pop culture. The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear, and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. H.P. Lovecraft. Hi, welcome to our podcast. Tonight we're going to be talking about The Haunting of Hill House. It's a Netflix show. This Netflix series was originally released in October of 2018. Mike Flanagan, creator of the series, is well known for writing and directing within the horror genre. Some other films he has made are Oculus 2013, Gerald's Game 2017, and Doctor Sleep 2019. This modern reimagining of the Shirley Jackson novel follows the Crane siblings who, as children, grew up in what would go on to become the most famous haunted house in the country. Now adults, they are forced back together in the face of tragedy and must finally confront the ghosts of their past. Some of these ghosts still lurk in their minds, while others may actually be stalking the shadows of Hill House. This story is sort of a unique gem of the horror genre. There is very minimal jump scares, gore, or cheap monsters, and instead has some classic scary movie imagery, some ghosts lurking in the background that you have to watch very closely to see, and new twists that we have not seen before. The show really grapples with the reality of the power that fear holds over our lives and mental health. The show brilliantly and subtly illustrates, with many very real situations, how we can allow our phobias to grab a hold of us, steal our joy, and ultimately, in some cases, take our lives. Just a side note, the follow-up series to Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, loosely based on the 1898 horror novella, The Turn of the Screw, which is by Henry James, to stream exclusively, exclusively on Netflix on October 9th. It is said to be a little different than Hill House, but will bring back some of the first series, including the cast, and have lots of new spectral surprises in store for us. Throughout the series, the Crane family all have their own ghosts to deal with, some literally, but we'll get to that later. Let's start by diving into episodes one and two, and then we'll be working our way through the series, doing a brief episode recap and highlighting any important plot points and character development. We're going to be going through each episode and breaking down the story, so if you don't want it spoiled for, for you before you watch, watch first and then come back and follow along with us as we break down the show by episode. For those that don't care about spoilers, We'll be breaking down each episode and going through the plot points, character development, and basically give you enough of background to follow along. Also a trigger warning for those that, you ha that haven't seen this and are not used to the horror genre. While the show is not typical of the horror genre, there isn't much bloody gore and very little sexual imagery. There is one sexual scene, some instances of strong language, traumatic content, including death, suicide, addiction, drug abuse, violence, allusion to sexual abuse, and some scenes that probably would not be suitable for all ages. Episode one is Steven Sees a Ghost. Starts off with a typical creepy house horror movie setup. We are introduced to Nell, the youngest, after she has a nightmare of the bent neck lady and get a small glimpse of the family's last night in Hill House as the father, Hugh, and the kids are escaping. The episode centers around Stephen, the eldest, and Stephen is a writer and has always been really skeptical of the supernatural. In episode one, Stephen's investigating an incident of a woman that says she's been haunted by her husband's ghost. 
and he's uh, investigating this as research for his next book. And that he doesn't believe in the word supernatural and prefers the term prenatural um, or things that we can't explain yet. Later in the episode, Stephen gets into an argument with Cheryl, the second oldest. They're arguing about his book that he wrote about their family's story. She believes that he took advantage and capitalized on their family trauma, the death of their mother, Olivia, and he believes that Olivia was mentally ill and that all of the ghosts the family thinks were responsible for her death were all inside of their mother's head. He later says, our family has a disease that's never been treated because it was easier to listen to your crazy stories about an evil house. He later says, ghosts are guilt, ghosts are secrets, ghosts are regrets and failings, but most times, most times a ghost is a wish. So the trigger that kicks off the series is when Nell, the youngest, calls everyone after an apparent period of silence and everyone other than Hugh, their father, either misses her call or ignores it. We get a very brief introduction to each of the siblings, uh, first in a scene from their childhood, the last night in Hill House before Olivia dies, in a scene of Stephen and Luke in Luke's tree house, Steve and Hugh dealing with the aftermath of that one night at Hill House, and then as adults, we see a glimpse of each of the siblings' lives. We see Shirley, Cheryl at work as a mortician and owner of a funeral home. Theodora, Theo at a club where she meets a girl and has a one night stand and is very cold and disconnected and distanced emotionally from her. So that episode's really good at setting everything up because it introduces all the characters and it's kind of cool about the show because the characters aren't just one person almost they're almost all like two people because you see them as children and then again as adults and you can kind of see how they're the same person but they're different obviously because they've grown and things but they still have the same personality traits so it's really good at doing that yeah you get like a kind of like duality from them because you see them like before things happened and after they happened and it's kind of cool too because like each episode centers around a specific character and this is steven's episode but it's like very good at also introducing everybody else equally too you don't really realize it's about him until you like think about it for a minute You're like oh well that episode was completely centered around him yeah but <clears throat> anyway. and you kind of see it from like his point of view too because you're kind of skeptical about like well is this really like a ghost story or is this like you know what's going on here so, so that's one of the irony in his character is that he's the writer that writes about ghost stories and he's more or less the one in the family that thinks none of it was real and yeah stuff like was the only one that's skeptical about it so so i'll go ahead and go with episode two open casket centers around shirley we get a few flashbacks uh including a creepy box of kittens and we gain some insight into how shirley became came into her profession essentially because of the trauma and all the unpredictable and sudden deaths of her childhood including the box of kittens and then with Olivia, her suicide, she feels in control of the environment where she's fixing the dead and restoring them to a frozen state. Shirley is also controlled that she even decides to do the autopsy and restoration of her sister, Nell's body, which pretty much everyone except her is against it, but she's very adamant about that. Uh, we also see flashbacks of adulthood with the siblings, checking Luke into rehab and presumably a little while after Nell's wedding, we learn that Luke and Nell are twins. These instances in the flashbacks show Shirley as the 
cemented caretaker and mom figure of her siblings after Olivia's death. One of the better quotes from the series comes from Theo when she says to Shirley, well, be sure to let your imagination get the best of you. That's the first step. Imagine the worst thing possible, assume it's true, and then go from there. In episode two, we are introduced to a few new mysteries. Who is the man that Cheryl sees at the funeral home? What events led up to that one terrible night that the family left Hill House? So that's more or less episode two. Okay, so I really liked episode two because it kind of gave some insight into their family before everything started going to crap. And you kind of see like the kids having like normal childhood moments and like rescuing the kittens and then like moving into a new house and playing together and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. It and really gave, like, like, yeah, backstory. Goes into their dynamic as children and as adults and not just like how the characters have grown, but also how their dynamics have changed and also stayed the same. So it yeah. just gives a little more context to everything. Yeah. While focusing mostly on Shirley, which is, again, they did that. Yeah, I like that one. And it wasn't like, it was like easing us into the creepiness of the season. So it wasn't like super creepy in that episode, but it has a couple moments in there. So it was like just enough. Right. That's another good thing about the show too, is it's not all just jump scares. It's like things that make you think or like wonder. Yeah. Like a psychological. Right. Which is what makes it creepy because it's realistic creepy because obviously when you get scared in real life, it's not jump scares. It's like, what was that? kind of thing so yeah they start to kind of do that more often yeah that's what I liked about the show too that it was just more psychological and like dealing with like real issues rather than like some monster or like some being that mm-hmm. you can put a face to episode three touch is centered on Theodora or Theo the middle child We see flashbacks of her in the house, first with the creepy ghost touching her arm while she's sleeping, dancing by herself in a makeshift dance studio, and then the scary dumbwaiter scene with Luke. We also see a little bit of her psychic abilities developing when she finds the cellar and knows like the history of the house during Prohibition. So that was kind of interesting. Later, we see her as an adult Uh, working as a child psychologist with a young patient that nobody has been able to reach. She uses her ability of touch and realizes that the girl has has been sexually abused by her foster father. We also get to see a little bit more of Nell's wedding and get to know and understand Theo more throughout this episode. We learn that Theo was in on Steve's writing of the book and got her cut of the money without Cheryl and some of the other siblings knowing about it. Later in the episode, we finally see Theo's wall break down a little as she felt what her patient felt. We also see her showing more emotion after she touches Nell's body and feels what happened to her. We see Theo reconnect with her feelings, the one night stand from episode one, and makes us wonder again, okay, now that we have a little bit more context, what happened before and after what happened that night. So that would be the end of episode three. episode four the twin thing so this episode is centered mostly around luke uh in this episode we see a lot of creepy kid drawings from luke um we hear a particularly disturbing story from 
Luke's AA meeting, and we get a little insight into Olivia's color storms and her psychic ability. Luke tries to save one of his friends, Joey, from her relapsing in rehab while staying sober himself. We see him struggle a lot. We can sort of feel an overwhelming sense of dread as if something is lingering and coming for him. We get a little more understanding of Luke, Stephen, and Stephen's marriage over the particularly awkward dinner scene with Steve, Lee, Luke, and Joey as they refuse to help them again to get on their feet. This episode ends with showing us the twins have a psychic connection. He can feel what Nell feels, and when she feels fear, he can feel it too, which now explains why he numbs his feelings with drug use. So this episode is probably one of my more favorite ones. I connect with Luke a lot. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in this episode. So obviously with Nell's suicide, he wakes up in the middle of the night with all the other siblings, but because of that connection, he is freezing cold all the time. He's numb to everything. He just, he does he's not all there. And it kind of goes back to that first scene where he's stealing from Steve and you assume it's for drugs because he looks like he's itching and shivering and like he's it, going yeah like he's going through right. withdrawal and recovery yeah. a, gives you that assumption that it's drug related when you see this episode you see he's stealing which isn't good but he's doing it from a place of trying to take care of his friend and he looks like that because of his connection to Nell and he's just because he's feeling that she's cold because she's in a fridge dead so <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just interesting because he's got a very his character is very much physically connected to a lot of what's going on. And it's sort of like, it's little details like that, that they don't directly tell you in the show. It's things you got to pick up on and rewatch the show to be like, oh, well, that makes way more sense now. Yeah, he's it's definitely sort of more subtle. Yeah. Right. And he's always in like the wrong place at the wrong time kind of thing. And everybody has assumptions on him. I don't know. I feel like that a lot. Right, and they kind of build him up to be that the first couple episodes. Once you get to his episode, you really kind of like feel for him and you're like, oh, I understand now. Like that makes way more sense. So Yeah. It's a really good episode, I think. That's one, yeah. of, my, one of my favorites. So a lot of the episodes just kind of build off of each other, just giving a little more context and stuff. The story itself doesn't really move forward drastically until a little later. but Yeah. I like it's, that they did like a slow build so it wasn't like right they give you just packed, new information yeah. while like to keep it interesting instead of just seeing the same thing over and over again but that they also all just give you more context to a lot of scenes you've already seen and more stories of them as children so it's like just enough new stuff and just enough old stuff that you kind of are getting context but also getting more with every episode and I think it's also nice that um, the time jumps aren't confusing because the timelines are pretty far apart. So we're not like, oh, what was this before or after, you know, because we see them as children and then we see them as adults. So it's kind of not as um, distracting.